0: A really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. We believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website.
1: guys. So I know I don't look that old, Sandy, but I started young. So uh, we're going across to that. And, and then Saj and I are working on some ministry uh, for sometime in March again in Pakistan. We want to pioneer and plant some new churches and outreach in the area there. So we're, we're working on plans for that as well. So we're very much committed to that. We know these guys are. It's their life. It's what they do. So why don't you welcome them uh, as they come? So they're going to share a little bit about the work in, in about 15 minutes, and then Kerry's going to come and kick off our, our message as we live together. Right. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, David. Hello. Hello. It's lovely to be here today. It's so nice to to see you all. Uh, we we just, this is our second time coming to this church. Some of you may remember that we came a couple of, not a few months ago now with some students. Um, and we had such a great time, and now it's the second time, and we feel even more welcome yes. and, and just part of your family somehow you're very welcoming as a church so it's it's sometimes it's we we because of the work that we do we end up visiting quite a few churches and you would be surprised at the amount of churches that you just never feel like really part of it like part of the group part of family so just to say it's really really important and you do a really good job at making people feel welcome so always treasure that uh thank you for that yeah <laughs> thanks for that I also want to say uh, that before I start, I really enjoyed the worship time that we had. It was a lovely, lovely time. It was just, um, it's so refreshing sometimes to just go back to focusing purely on singing about God and singing about Jesus. Never mind about my feelings about Jesus or my uh, thought process about whatever. It's just purely focused on Jesus, just life only in that turning away from ourselves. So I was really blessed. So thank you to those who were, you know, involved in leading the worship tonight, My uh, to, uh, to this morning, sorry, I'm a bit... Uh, my name is Lisa, this is my husband, Davide, as uh, David already said. We uh, have the privilege of serving um, the IBTI, the International Bible Training College, down or up, or west, I don't know, over, down, down in Burgess Hill. So I am originally from Germany, David is from Italy. Um, we came separately to the uk i came nine years ago david five years ago because we uh, wanted to serve god and we felt that we didn't know where to start and so we came to the ibti to get prepared to train to study to be discipled like on another level and then dedicate our life to serving god and we mm-hmm. never expected that it would be at the ibti but when we finished our studies we were asked to stay on the team and become part of the running of the college, so that's what we do. Just a few words about the IBTI. Um, I only brought three leaflets because this week, this past week, somebody came and took all our leaflets to their church and we were like, what? So we we, we are getting more printed and we'll make sure we get them to you. So if you're interested, feel free to come to me and I'm happy to. The first three will get a leaflet, so be quick, okay? So the IBTI, what is the IBTI? The IBTI is a Bible training college, but what I would like to highlight is the fact that it's not a theological seminary like you would expect in the sense of theology, 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 theory, 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 exams, exams, exams. We do a lot of that. We have classrooms, we have a curriculum, we have an accreditation, but we don't teach theology, we teach applied theology. And that makes all the difference Mm -hmm. to us. We believe that when we uh, meet Jesus, when we uh, are exposed to the gospel and we kind of buy into it and we say yes to Jesus, actually a process, that's not the end of the journey, this is the beginning of the journey and a process of discipleship needs to start. A a process, Paul describes it, um, that he must increase and not increase. Paul, I think John the Baptist says he must increase and I must decrease, and this is the reality. So applied theology is about the health, the life, the 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 gospel, the 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 good news, um, actually applied to my relationships, applied to my thought life, applied to my character, applied to how I spend my money, applied to the types of goals I set, applied to what I focus my life on. And that is a lifelong process. And we believe in taking students. So we have students with us from all over the world, uh, some from the UK sometimes, but we get them from Europe, we get them from all over. And we've got them with us for a short time. It's an intense time. And it's a time of community-focused discipleship, because discipleship happens best in community. Jesus taught us this model. So all together we just study the Bible and we look at how to apply it. And we try and strategically and intentionally, because intentionality is very important, intentionally not just look at theory, look at what we know, but look at how do we apply this in life? How do we help each other when we tried it and it didn't work? Do we just, well? Give up well this relationship is always gonna be difficult and that's just it. That's not the way. Even if we have to try two or three or four times, let's just not let's not be complacent. Let's be let's have a bit of backbone and resilience and say, no, I want my life to reflect a Christ like character. So that's what we do in a nutshell. There's a lot of more things that could be said in what we do like technically, but that's the heart of it. And um yeah, we we just we love we we love the church. We love uh, serving the church. We believe that actually the IBTI's ministry is about the church because um, it it is the church is the primary agent of God's kingdom on earth today. So um, just to say, just to leave you with this encouragement, if you if you feel that um, you know you 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 know Jesus and you love Jesus and and you love the church, uh, but there are areas of your life that just You think this cannot, this this just this this is like this this discrepancy between what I know is God and when what I know is the life that I'm supposed to live. Just to tell you, just because you've tried in the past and it didn't quite work out, it doesn't mean it will always be like that. Mm -hmm. You know, help each other, pray for one another, read books. um, Don't don't be complacent, but believe that when the gospel comes to a person or to a community, um, it's it's it's. The, the, it's got the potential and the power to transform everything, like the whole of our lives and the whole of our community. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. I'll just leave space to you now.
3: Thank you, Lisa. Um, my wife, she said that we have only three leaflets. To be honest with you, there are six. Three, three are about information about the BTI, But for my job at the BTI, there are three more that are even much more important for me, (laughs) that are uh, related to if you want to support us, partner with the BTI. So um, jokes apart, if you want any information how to partner with us or information about the college, just come and grab some. Or I'm sure all of you have got your phone. Take a picture of it, front, back, and you can read it through. Uh, I was very happy to have the invitation from David because um, I am freshly came back from my trip in Uganda. I've just got back on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, and there has been... uh, a great, great, great experience. Uh, Sadly, I didn't have the time to put together pictures, but my dear friend (laughs) managed to to put some pictures together. These are just few, but I really wanted to give you a picture of of what it was and what we did that. because I really believe that when people see uh, people need to, to see actually the work and what you do there and people will actually understand and, and see the need as well. So, um, I'm Davide. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, As you know, I'm Davide. Eh? We have been there um, with uh, um, the director of the college, John White. Uh, they lead the college together with Eliana White. And uh, as you can see in the picture, uh, the second white man is is John, the one with glasses. The other other man that you see there is um, Pastor James Acolo. He he was a student of the ABTI uh, during, uh, so was a former student of ABTI during the uh, 2004, uh, 2006, something like that. And uh, he has been doing a great, great, great job over there he has been planting churches he has been overseeing churches at the moment he oversees 15 churches all around the villages he is one of the um, uh uh overseers and responsible of the area for their movement uh, and um if you have seen before just a moment if you go back to the slide before one of the project one of the biggest project that we take part of it with James is the chicken project uh why chicken broth because for them is the one of the most um uh, important uh, uh <laughs> sustainable business that you can have. So I want to thank God because this year we were actually able to raise uh, 200 pounds to take to them. You will say 200 pounds is nothing, but for them it's almost a million Uganda shillings that uh, it's a, a crazy amount and they couldn't believe that when we managed to give them this money. So we gave Pastor James. These are actually pictures took this year a uh, few days ago and uh, is part of the project that we started. So we are giving more money to actually build another room for more chickens so that he can develop as a business and he wants to start, we we showed him a plan so he can start to uh, give jobs to people from the church and creates like a business, an economy that people can actually work and have things to do and have some money. If you go to the next slide, you will see a picture of uh, us as well. The, uh, the young man that you see there with a the blue shirt is uh, uh, Jimmy. He's Pastor James' son. We were able to buy some food. We were able to visit around uh, 50 houses, all of uh, widows and orphans, and uh, we raised some funds here in the UK and in Europe. There were other all, all widows and people here in the UK and Europe that decided to give us some, some, uh, some donations so that when we, we went there, we bought some needs and, and goods and we managed to prepare 50 bags, I think, around. And we, we went all around the villages and we gave these bags. I think if you go to the next slides, you will see some pictures, yeah. <clears throat> It was fantastic. We have seen God's moving and we have seen God's provision. One thing that really amazed me is the fact that those people, they have nothing. And when I'm saying to you literally nothing, I mean nothing. And, and I'm sure that whoever of you has been in mission somewhere, you really know. David is just was telling me that he has been in Uganda and he has been <laughs> seeing the, the same things. And the, what amazed me the most is the smile on their face. The, I, I, I often said to them, you know, back home in the UK or in Italy even more, because in Italy we are a complainer as a, as a, as a <laughs> population, <laughs> we are complaining. but I said to them, you know, most of the time we complain about what we have. That's the the, the, the main thing for me. While those people, they don't complain, not even about what they don't have. And and the thing is that when you reach their houses, they open their doors and they just want you to go in and just bless their houses. And you see them smiling again. It's a moment of happiness. It's a moment you are giving them just a kilo of rice, a kilo of sugar, half kilo of salt, few matches for the fire, and some soap to wash themselves, but for them, it's a great blessing. Most of them, they said to us, I'm sure that God has sent you this morning because I didn't have food for the day. So it was a great, it was my first time on a mission trip in Africa, and I can tell you that I have been, uh, I, I hold my emotions, my tears, because I wanted, I didn't want, because I knew that if I started to cry, they would have feel even worse. So I wanted to be there for them, just to pray and bless them. But, you know, there is a song that says, uh, break my heart or what breaks yours. And, and I really, there was not this song all the days was my mind. When I woke up, there was this song. And I knew that God was doing that in my life, but I know that we were blessing them so much. I'm very happy that there is this picture of the school. I will take just a few more minutes to tell you a miracle about the college. A morning about this school. This school is a a school that Pastor James started near the church for poor people, poor kids that they cannot have much to pay their fees and stuff like that, and uh, kids from the church. He opened this school, and um, the morning that we went to visit, uh, actually, they had uh, just finished to, to, to build the new toilets. But the toilets were, uh, it was not possible to open because they didn't have a water system. They didn't have a water tank. They didn't have pipes. So there were those kids, those, those little babies, three, four, five years old, that they were going to the toilets in, in holes on, on, on the ground. And it was horrible when I saw where they were going at the toilets. And the teachers were telling us that most of the times they had to go there after a while because the kids, they're falling inside. And they had to go there to take them out. So why I'm telling you this, because in that precise moment, when I saw the, when I saw the, the, the toilets, God spoke to me and says, promise Pastor James that before you leave Uganda, you will give him the money for the water tank and for the water system. So I did that, I promised him about this water tank, but when I left the college, when I left the school, I said to my mind, where am I gonna take the money? Because I don't have the money to give Pastor James. So I started to worry about it. And uh, immediately God told me, uh, um, Dave, this is not your promise, it's my promise. Mm-hmm. I promise them that I will give the money, not you. You are just a, a channel to me. Uh, back in the UK, we were three hours before. So here we were there at 9 o'clock, 9.30. In the UK it was 6.30. My wife sent me a message. She told me, Dave, there are a couple of people that want to speak to you. I said, what's about? She said, they want to speak to you. I don't want to tell you and it's better if you talk to them. I said, "Okay, I'll have maybe sometime this evening, I said, because we are busy going out bags, churches. We we visited so many churches every day preaching and every day sharing messages, every day praying for people. But when we come back at night, I called my wife. I said, um, shall we speak with these people? Yes, they joined us in the conversation in a video call. And they said, Dave, we know that you are in need. God spoke to us. And uh, right now, we are going to send you this amount of money. They didn't have any clue. They didn't know what was. Please give a clap to the Lord. I want to be honest with you. In that moment, I couldn't keep my tears. It was the only moment that I had to release myself because I could see God's promises, and I could see God's provision just happening in that moment, and I went back inside, and I said, Pastor James, I lied to you, because I said that I was going to give you the money for the water tank and for the pipelines, for the, uh, the, the, for the toilets and stuff like that, but actually I didn't do that, because God just did it because I didn't have the, mo- the, the, the money to it, in the morning we went there, I think it's the next picture, please, uh, yes the first picture you see over there yeah, sorry. I was able to, uh, that's Pastor James, I was able to go there in front of the, all the witnesses, all the, all the teachers and all the kids that were there. I gave Pastor James the money and the morning after we went and we bought the water tank and in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of weeks, these kids, they will be able to have a normal toilet like our kids here. And that was something that it really, really amazed me. And we had a chance... To, to meet other IBTI, IBTI uh, former students. It was a great moment of sharing our stories and life. They all work together. They join all together. And this you can see as a last picture. This is all Pastor James' family. There are more than 30 people. He has got five kids of his own. And then he uh, decided to adopt, if you want to say, seven more kids from all around the areas of neighbors, kids that didn't have any more mom and dad, and he just took them in, he's feeding them, and he's giving them uh, an education, sending them to school, and all of them, all of them, they are involved at church, with, whoever with, with worship, whoever with anything else. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Um,
1: So I'm sure Sophie and Peace would like to join us as Ugandans. Uh, come on, come on, come on, uh, why did David and Ian come and we'll just pray for these guys. Uh, well there you go, we started the thing. Kenya, David's been to Uganda. So, why don't we pray uh, for David's reception? Guys, come with lay hands on them. So okay. If you want to stretch your
4: hands to them as well, just mm. pray God's blessing on them. Yes, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, what they have shared with us today. Lord, we, we, we just praise you for your goodness and your greatness. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for their obedience to you, their dedication to you. And we thank you that, Lord, through them, We've seen something of the blessing, and Lord, I mean, we pray for Uganda as well. We thank you, Lord, for what was done and is being continued to do out there. We thank you for that nation, Lord, from the people there for their heart, their simplicity, but their love for you. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to bless that work there. Lord, we pray for this couple, Lord, that you will continue to have your hand upon them, Lord, as they, they train others. Lord, that they may have the joy of seeing others as they have going out, Lord, and, and giving fruit for you. So we thank you for that. We thank you for this small glimpse we've had this morning of all that you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you,
1: guys. Please take your seats. Kerry, why don't you come and lead us in the message this morning. Thank you.
0: morning everyone. Um, I'm sure you'll agree that um, Lisa and David will be definitely on our minds and um, we'll be praying for you. We really praise God for your faithfulness. Amazing. So okay we are going to carry on thinking um, just to say if you weren't here last week and you didn't hear David's message last week listen to it. It's extremely important I feel for us as a church. It's talking to us about how we can be a spiritually dynamic church. Wouldn't that be amazing? Spiritually dynamic church. And we're going to carry on thinking about that today. But first of all, I need some help. So I would like... Merseline, can you come up, please? Um, Charlie, can you come up, please? And where's Dar- Darcy's disappeared? Ibraca, can you come up, please? And is, is Aidan there? Aiden, can you come up, please? Okay, I want you to go and give a message. I've got a message for your adults, okay? So you need to listen really carefully to what I say, and then you have to go and give the message to your adult. All right, can you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah? You can smile. <laughs> okay, so if you can turn my microphone off so they don't hear the message through my mic. right, let's see how successful... Oh, really quick, thank you. You're really on the ball. Let's see how successful these messages have been. So, Sophie, what message did you get? I have seen. Fantastic. I think... Who was next? Was it Aidan next? Aidan, what message did you... Who did you give your message to? Uh, tears. Your tears. Fantastic. What did you get, Maria, to? My prayers. My prayers. And Lisa? I have heard. heard. Doesn't make any sense. What do you think we need to do now? Rearrange it. So adults, come on, give me something here, adults. Can you please rearrange yourselves and shout out in order what you think the order is for that verse? Who had I have seen? Right, so Sophie, shout out... Sophie, shout out. I have seen. I have seen seen your tears. tears. I have heard. heard. Fantastic. Should we say it together? I have seen your tears. I have heard your prayers. Wonderful. Phew, that sort of worked. So if you notice... I had a message that I wanted to give to the adults. But I didn't give it myself. I gave it to the children to go and give the message. Now that could have gone horribly wrong. Because, Mersalyn, you missed a trick then. Because if you'd gone back and said to your mum, Kerry said you've got to buy me chocolate, she would have done it because your mum always does what I tell her to do. (laughs) So... That that message working relied on the children, number one, listening when they were up here, number two, taking back the right message, and then number three, we needed to think about that message and to sort out what it was saying to us. And isn't that an amazing message? It's from 2 Kings 25. I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. And a bit later on, I'm going to explain why that message means so much to me at the moment. Those children acted as messengers for me. In the, particularly in the Old Testament in the Bible, there were lots of people that needed to do that for God. God spoke to people and they passed on the message. Sometimes the message was a rebuke. Sometimes the message was an encouragement. Sometimes the message was a warning. But they passed on the message to God's people. And they were called prophets. And the third P in David's message is prophetic. Because if we are going to be a spiritually dynamic church, we need to be prophetic. We need to be using those gifts that God's given us. So we're going to watch a short video now that explains what a prophet
5: is story the prophets so part of God's story is about the prophets and it goes like this prophets are people who hear from God and share it we sometimes think of prophets as people who know the future but really they know whatever God tells them which could be anything because God knows everything anyway nowadays God speaks to all of us but before Jesus came and before there was the Bible God spoke to his family through just a few people. Some of those people were prophets. 16 of God's prophets have books in the Bible named after them. And today, we're talking about them. It starts with Isaiah and ends with Malachi. These guys are a pretty big part of the Old Testament, so let's check out what God said to his family through them. This won't take long because even though they lived in different places and hundreds of years apart, they had basically the same message because people have always had the same problem. We disobey God. So the prophets told God's family, you've sinned, now you're in trouble. Of course, the prophets didn't just say this. They got God's family's attention by doing crazy things to show how bad life can get when we're far from God. Like Isaiah, who walked around in his underwear for three years to show what it looks like to lose everything, or Jeremiah, who hid his belt under a rock until it rotted, then dug it up again so God's family could see what it looks like to be completely destroyed. Seriously, kids, that's in the Bible. And actually, it gets even crazier. Check it out for yourself. See, God is holy, which means He's perfect. He created us to be like Him and follow Him, but instead, we choose to disobey Him, which is sin. Sin has to be punished because if God is perfect, He can't pretend it doesn't matter when we hurt each other or ourselves or His creatures or the earth. The thing is, though, God loves us anyway. He doesn't want His family to be in trouble. So He sent good news through the prophets, too. They said, if you stop sinning and follow God instead, He'll have mercy on you. Mercy means not getting punished, even though you deserve it. The problem is, nobody could stop sinning for very long. Well, God had a plan for that too. He told some of the prophets, like Isaiah and Zechariah, that one day He would send someone perfect to earth, someone who could take the punishment for everybody else's sin. And if our sin was paid for, that would mean we weren't in trouble anymore, which means we could come close to God. If 16 different prophets over hundreds of years all said pretty much the same thing, it must be important, right? Even now, for us. After all, we've sinned too, and we need a rescuer. And since the rescuer already came, we can follow God and choose to accept that Jesus took our punishment, which means it doesn't separate us from God anymore. And we can talk to God, but also hear from Him, which means we can prophesy too. And that's the story of the prophets.
0: So we're going to give out the activity packs now. And in your packs today, you've got a little booklet to make up with four of the P words that David is talking about. And for you to record your own response, you need to be listening as well to see what's being said. So if somebody could give the packs out, that would be amazing. So in the video, it told us what a prophet was and told us the importance of the prophets in the Bible. But we also heard that prophetic people are still crucial to doing God's work today. And we're really committed to this as a church. As you know, as a church, we're really committed to people finding out what their gifts are and using them. I was out for coffee with somebody earlier on this week. And they said to me, I wish I could be more like that person. I wish I could do what that person can do. No. God has made us all with unique gifts, with unique callings. We don't need to want to be like somebody else. We just need to use what God's given us. And David does amazing teaching on APEST, which is looking at the different giftings that God's given us and learning how to use them. There's some links there with some teaching that's on YouTube, if anybody hasn't seen it, that encourages you to really find out what your giftings are so that you can use them within the unity of the church to serve God. And I'm sure David will be happy to talk to you if you don't, haven't done apest before and it's something you want to look into. Because the P in apest means that you're prophetic. And the church needs prophetic people. We already know that a number of you are. And a number of you use that frequently to build up the church, to talk to us about what God wants us to know. So let's have a look at what prophetic people bring. They basically have the task of maintaining loyalty and faithfulness to God. Isn't that amazing? The prophetic voice is there to keep that loyalty and faithfulness to God. It's not about telling the future. It's not about telling people what to do. It's about keeping that connection to God. And so prophets are guardians of that relationship. So people with a prophetic voice are really important to the church, they're correctors, they're passionate, they're justice-minded, they're principled, they're loyal, they're questioning, they're advocates, they're challenging, they're cause-driven, they're reformers, and they are truth-tellers. Don't we need that in our church? And prophetic words often come to people in different ways. So sometimes people will have a picture, sometimes people will have a word or a Bible verse, sometimes they will have a dream. And their job then is to weigh up what they do with that word. And quite often what you do is you will go and speak to David as your leader, who will then work out what happens to that word. But those words are so important, because prophetic words are given from God to deal with certain individuals, or to deal with certain situations, to deal with something in the church, or to deal with a larger context. And we need that word in our church. We need that prophetic word. And one thing that we are really passionate about church, about in our church is that prophetic voice bridging the gap in the generations. We really believe God needs to be working in our children. They are our future. And do you know what? There's so much out there to distract them. And so we really believe that that prophetic voice is really important to bridge that gap. It's really interesting that the last words that God spoke in the Old Testament through Malachi said, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. 400 years Around 400 years later in Luke, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. That prophetic voice is really important to us as a church, but in particular for us to bridge that gap with the children. We want our children growing up in an environment where they can be focused on God. We need to have people that can hear and discern God's voice so clearly that we know how to guide, how to nurture and how to protect our children because they're growing up in a world where God doesn't matter. and They're also growing up in a world where scripture is rejected. And so we need that prophetic voice to remind us as a church what God is saying and what his plans for us are. I'm going to share something very personal now because I really feel that God was speaking to me a few weeks ago. And he actually spoke to me in a way that he's not really done before, and gave me something that he wanted me to study in the Bible. And he asked me to look at King Hezekiah. Now I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about King Hezekiah. And so I went and read, and really prayed to God, and asked him what he wanted me to learn from what he was showing me but I think he was also saying something to us as a church. So for those of you that don't know, King Hezekiah was an amazing king. He came before and after kings that were corrupt, that didn't want to know God. And so all the people had lost their focus on God, but Hezekiah was a good king. He wanted what was right. And so he tried to find out what that was. And if you read the... There's not a book of Hezekiah, but if you read the story of Hezekiah in all the different verses, you will see that he can teach us so much about prayer. David spoke last week about how important prayer is. I really believe that is what God is telling us as a church. We need to be praying. We need to be doing gut prayers, not just voice prayers. Because we are facing a really exciting but a really difficult time and we have to be unified in that prayer. So Hezekiah taught me so much personally about how we should pray. And if anyone wants to know more about that then please ask. One thing that that the the story of Hezekiah taught me personally is that God wants us to take everything to him. Hezekiah was a real prayer. He did pray. But he came to a situation where he was facing, he was basically devastated. And he didn't stamp his feet. He didn't throw a tantrum. He didn't say, right, I'm just locking myself away in my room and never going out again. He turned to God in prayer. That verse that I gave to all the adults here... That verse really meant a lot to me. I was, As you know, I went away on a study week. I was on my way to this study week. And that verse really meant a lot because I really felt God say to me, I want you to do what Hezekiah did. And what Hezekiah did was he went into his room, he shut the door, he lay on the bed, and he looked at the wall. Now, anyone that knows me, the idea of laying on a bed and looking at a wall, I was like, God, do you know me at all? I do not do that. But I really felt that's what he wanted me to do in that week. To not just look at the wall, but to find him again. I got to my daughter's house where I was staying. I went into the room that I was sleeping in. The bed was there, pushed right up against a complete white wall. But halfway up, there was a skylight. And this skylight went from halfway up to the top. So when I laid on the bed and looked at the wall... I could see outside. I lay there during that week and I experienced rain crashing down on that skylight. I looked out and I saw dark clouds and then heard the wind and the wind brushed those dark clouds away. I looked out in the middle of the night and saw the most amazing stars that I've ever seen. So although God wanted me to lay there and look at the wall, he wanted me to remember who he was And I think that was God's prophetic word to me. To trust him, to listen to him, to know that he wants us to take everything, even when it just seems as though it doesn't matter. But now comes the challenging bit. Because in the story of Hezekiah, he is battling and he's about to be invaded and he knows he's in trouble with his people. He has to rely on his people to fight. He has to rely on his people to be there. And the uh, chief of the fighting army comes, comes and starts talking. But he doesn't talk to Hezekiah. He doesn't talk to Hezekiah because he knows there's no point. He knows that Hezekiah is so rooted in God, so secure in who he is, he is not going to turn. So instead, he spoke to the people. And he spoke to the people And told them all the bad things that were going to happen. And he said to the people, Come with me, because you will be safe. If you come with me, you won't have to battle. If you come with me, I promise we will have a nice life. If you come with me, you don't have to be part of this war that's going on. And we can go away, and everything will be alright. And actually one of Hezekiah's uh, workers asked this man to not talk in the language that his people will understand because he was scared that his people would run away. And so this chief then spoke in Hebrew and spoke to these people and said, come away with me. The people stood their ground and said nothing. They could have said, actually, I'm scared. I'm going to come with you. They could have said, actually, I'm not sure Hezekiah knows what he's doing. You speak much better. I'm going to go with you. They could have said, I'm not strong enough to do this. I'm going to come with you. They stood their ground and they said nothing. And I spent a long time praying because this verse just seems so important. This story seems so important and I couldn't work out what God was trying to say and I spent a long time on that study week praying about it and this is what I think he's trying to say to us as a church outside there there are so many things that can draw us away there are so many things that look better there are so many things that look easier there are so many things that probably won't take as much work and they're trying to draw us away And one thing that I really feel God was saying, and please hear this in the right way, is that sometimes, did you notice he spoke in Hebrew? He was speaking sense. And actually he was speaking the truth because the battle was going to be hard. He was speaking the truth, but he was twisting that truth to try and draw them away. I think that sometimes that happens to us as a church. I think there are people on the outside of this church who actually are speaking the truth and probably are Christians but they are trying to draw us away from what we're doing here and I really truly believe with all my heart that next year God has got some really exciting stuff for us as a church. We started to see that. Some of the stuff that's happening in our community, some of the stuff that's happening with our children, some of the stuff that's happening in our families is really exciting But let's not um, beat around the bush. It's going to be hard. It is going to be hard. And we need to decide as a church where our priority is. Is it with God? Or is it half with God and half with what's going on out there? Because it does look easier. It does look as though it's going to be a lot more... Let's face it, there are some churches who are starting to water down what God says. There are some churches that are starting to say, I believe this in the part of the Bible, but I don't believe this part of the Bible. This is where that prophetic voice is so important, because we have to be so tuned in to God that we are firmly standing on what he is saying, not what we think he's saying, not our interpretation of it, That face-to-face time with God is not just a time for him to pat us on the head and say, there, there. Believe you me, when I was laying on that bed looking at that skylight, God had to deal with some really hard stuff in me. I had to let him do it. Because otherwise, I'm holding back and I'm not giving him my all. And I have to give him my all if we are going to do that work that God wants us to do. And I think we've got to the point as a church where we need to make that decision. We need to decide, are we standing for God with everything that involves? Or are we going to take a little bit of what's out here and just make a few little steps this way and a few little steps this way? And before you know it, you're right on the outside and the church is going to be really less without you. And so we have to make that decision. Uh, Native Americans, when they were fighting... They used to put, when they knew that they were about to have a battle, they used to put a stake down in the ground. And that was showing they are standing their ground. They can see the battle coming. They can see it's going to be hard. But they put the stake down and they say, I'm staying firm. And actually, and this sounds really brutal, they quite often used to tie somebody to that stake to show we're not running away. You can intimidate us as much as you want from the outside. You can entice us as much as you want from the outside. We're staying here. We're staying firm because we're looking to God. And so that's what the prophet does. It tells us what God wants us to do. I'm just going to read a verse from the Bible that actually I found yesterday that really encouraged me and I hope encourages you. Because it's in Samuel, and it's talking about David. So it's Samuel 23. And I have to tell you, this made me quite emotional yesterday. Because they were talking about three of David's closest um, allies, three of David's people that had stood by him through thick and thin. And you know the story of David. He probably wasn't necessarily an easy man to stand by. But they did, and they got through with him. And it gets to the end, and he says... Next in ranks, this is verse 9, was Elizar, the son of Dodo and grandson of Ahai. He was one of three men who, with David, held back the Philistines that time when the rest of the army fled. He stood his ground and he killed the Philistines until his hand was too tired to keep holding the sword. Those of you whose hands are too tired to keep holding the sword, keep going. Because it says later on, God honoured that and they had victory. And then the second one, again, talks about David's ally holding his ground. They put the stake down. They knew where God wanted them to be. They knew the battle God wanted them to fight. And they stood the ground and they fought. And God gave them the victory. If we want to, as a church, truly be doing what God wants us to do, we need to put our stakes in the ground. We need to listen to what God is telling us. We need to be focused on him. We need to be so tuned into his voice that we really can serve him from a position of repentance, humility, and compassion. And the most important word, in unity. So those people with the prophetic voice, we need you as a church. But we need you tuned in to what God is telling you. We need you tuned in to what God is telling us, not what you want him to be telling us. And so that's why it's really important. I think our last slide, Bethany. I did tell Bethany I was likely to go off on one and not stick to them. (laughs) Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. We have to be prophetic so that we know the truth. So we stand our ground, we put our stake in the ground and I believe God has got amazing things in store for New Life Church next year.
6: Thank you, Carrie.
1: Yeah, it's a great word for us. And I'm I'm just going to go to the last slide, my very last slide, because I, I think what I'm going to do is follow that message on next week rather than try and rush through uh, some points. I think I'm just going to finish really with the last slide and a, a verse that's very important. Last week we, we talked a little bit about what God wanted to do and I, I shared very much from my heart and I believe next year God really wants to birth something in the church I do. I think that comes out of what we want to do in mission, in ministry, uh, and the focus of that burst in, in times of prayer and stuff like that. So I think it's absolutely critical that we get hold of this message and that prophetic voice. So next week, uh, I'm going to pick up the final two points. And so I just want to finish with this verse. It's the prayer of Moses, the man of God, and I hope it's it's our prayer because we are committed to doing what God wants to do here. We are committed to following through. We are committed to not compromising. We are committed to being those people who will put the stake in the ground. And no matter what distractions are going on around us, no matter what other people say about us, my salvation, verse jo- Joshua twenty-four fifteen. as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now, you can't say that for me and I can't say that for you. But I believe you're you're hearing a challenge and you're hearing a challenge again today from Kerry Uh, about your commitment to the work and ministry in New Life Church. Honestly, I believe God wants to do something next year. I think he wants to establish us. So we need to put our stakes in the ground. Psalm 90 verse 17 says, May the favour of the Lord our God rest on us. I think this is NIV. May he establish the work of our hands Yes, establish the work of our hands. Next year, our fasting, our 21-day Daniel fast is based on Colossians 2 verse 7 where it talks about being rooted and grounded or rooted and established in him. And part of that is, is the fact that what Christ has already done. The, the original language talks about the fact that having been rooted. It's what Christ has done. It's our trust in his work. It's a completed work. But being built up in him, being established in him is our response to that. That's what the original language suggests. It's an ongoing active participation that we take. So if we're gonna do that, if we're gonna see God establish the work of our hands, then we have an active part to play in that. We can't be passive. We need to be people of purity. We need to be people of his presence, of his power. We'll talk about that next week. We need to have that prophetic voice. We need to be people of prayer. All of those things are the things that are going to help us build a dynamic, spiritually dynamic church. Amen? Amen. amen. Thank you. <laughs> that was the loudest amen. You should all take notice. So worship team are going to come and lead us in our final song. It's one that Keegan and Amelia wrote. It says, may your spirit abide in me. And if something that Kerry said today or something that you've heard today has really sparked something in you and you'd like to come to the front and receive prayer, Kerry's already at the front. She'd be happy to pray for you. We'd be happy to pray for you. Respond to God as as you feel appropriate today. But can I ask you to respond to God? Can I ask you to come and say, Holy Spirit, would you abide in me? Would you rest in me? Would you come and do your work in me? Having been rooted in Christ, would you come and establish the work of my hands, the work of our hands for the sake of the kingdom of God? Lisa said it earlier, that the church is the vehicle for the kingdom of God. God has no plan B. He's relying on the church to bring the kingdom of God. Let's sing it together before we close. the Holy Spirit's presence Holy Spirit come and have your way come and speak into our lives come and speak into our experience come and help us to shift our mindsets and anything that we're holding on to that's not of you I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Anything you're holding on to, any unforgiveness, any hurt, anything that's been spoken against you, just release it in the name of Jesus. Release it to Him. Invite Him to come and bring His healing, His wholeness, His cleansing, His transforming power. Holy Spirit just come we pray just increase your presence let your kingdom come bless your name Spirit, we welcome you and we wait on you. Just come and flood our lives with your presence. Just come with that still small voice, Lord, that speaks your comfort, that speaks your strength, that speaks your encouragement. What do you need to put in the ground this morning? What does God want to establish in your life? Lisa, just when you were up at front earlier, just sends God give me a picture for you. I want to share it to encourage you. I want to share it publicly because others might have some words for you as well. And just as you were standing, I just felt God say that you're a person who's a building block. You're a building block in the kingdom. But a building block on his own is, is of no use. And God's going to bring other building blocks that are going to come alongside you, And that's going to act as a foundation where people are going to build on what you say and build on what you do. And the strength is going to come because you're a good foundation. You're a good foundation on which God can build. And he's going to use you as a building block and others are going to build on what you say, what you do and who you are. I believe God wants to encourage you this morning. Allow him to do that. Allow Him even when others may seem to excel. When others may seem to go higher. God knows you're the building block. That's a good foundation for Him to build on. I just want to give you the opportunity if there are others. Who have prophetic words either for Lisa or for others. I just sense the Holy Spirit. is presence so we, we... we have to respond to that we're not set to a time we're not set to agenda it's his church so we're going to respond to him we're going to allow him to work we're going to make room for him if you need to go because of a prior commitment then that's fine we release you to go quietly and quickly I just sense Holy Spirit's not finished here.
6: Welcome your presence.
1: Holy Spirit. Just come, Holy Spirit. May your Spirit rest on us. May your anointing rest on us. May we be people of your presence. Establish your presence in our life. The overflow. Your anointing teaches us to remain in you. Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, we bless what you're doing. You know, just Holy Spirit just showed me something. I think some of you feel a bit locked in, and you're locked into relationships that are not good and that are not right. And I just see you—you've you, locked arms with people and you've said, you know, I'll be there for you, I'll be faithful, but but lately some things have come to the surface, you think, oh, I'm not so sure. I believe God says to you this morning, you can be unlocked. Unlock yourself. Many of those ties that are not of God. Just unlock yourself right now. Just see yourself taking your arm out from that association. Remove the power of those words from your life. covenant to be faithful to him. To be loyal to him. No one else. Holy Spirit, just bring your unlocking right now. Bring your release.
6: More of your presence, Lord. The God's will be Oh Suriana Makuria. Oh Shriyana Namakuria Nisi. Oh Suriana Makuria Seriana Namasu. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. He wants you to release yourself Yeah, give
1: yourself permission You can release yourself You can speak it out and say Lord, I release myself To all that you have for me I
6: receive
1: the unlocking And the transforming power Of the Holy Spirit I release myself I release myself from every hindrance from every sin that holds me back from every mindset that's not of you from every fear of failure from every fear of disapproval and rejection release yourself this morning release yourself Just release yourself
6: He's here, he's here. Release yourself. I'm going to sing that again.
1: May your spirit abide. You, I encourage you as Mike is done coming to the front, making some space. You can come and you can kneel, you can bow, you can worship God as we sing this come and do real business with God.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today we hope that you enjoyed the teaching we'd love to hear from you so please contact us all the details can be found on our website. God bless.